0: You're listening to the Mangroves to Mountains podcast, where we talk all things outdoors. Hunting, fishing, paddling, camping, adventure travel, and more. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, today's episode is with Schaefer Magnant of the Green Mountain Tradcast. Schaefer is actually a fairly young guy, but he's been shooting a traditional bow for over 20 years. As you'll hear, Schaefer's a very easy guy to talk with, great storyteller, an aspiring writer, and I think you're going to really enjoy this podcast. Thanks for listening. Schaefer Magnet. Schaefer. (laughs) How many people mess up your first name? I'll bet.
1: Uh, Well, a few. To give you a perspective, my name is spelt wrong on my uniforms at work. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's uh something you grow fairly accustomed to that's why i enjoy going to traditional bow shoots so much because it's usually one of the few places where the name is understood
0: yes absolutely you want to you want to share what that means to listeners that don't
1: i i could do that so they i was named after paul schaefer who was obviously quite the uh the bow hunter back in the day and he passed away the year before i was born and uh to say the least, my dad was, you know, a fan of his. So that's how the, uh, the name Schaefer came to be. I know there was certain, uh, there was a deal with my mom and my dad. I think I had to be born with a full head of hair and my dad had to be at the hospital, uh, cause it was hunting season in New Hampshire. So there was a few, uh, things that had to happen for, uh, the name to be Schaefer. Gotcha. I know there was one other one my mom was trying to tell me and I, I forgot what it was. I guess it was pretty funny, but we could be sitting here talking with a Jake. That was the other option. So. Okay.
0: <laughs> Jake, that's a nice name too. Yeah. And then I prefer so you were Shafer. born in New Hampshire, but you live in Vermont, right?
1: No, I was born in Vermont. My dad hunted my dad just hunted New Hampshire quite a bit back in the day. So I see they they opened September 15th and my birthday was well September 29th. So it was, there was an overlap there. Mm-hmm. So
0: gotcha. kind
1: of an ongoing joke that I've had through most
0: of my life. You want to just uh, introduce yourself and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there.
1: We could do that. Uh, as said before, my name is Schaefer Magnet. Uh, I do a podcast called the Green Mountain Tradcast, which is traditional bow hunting oriented. Other than that, uh, I'm basically just a traditional bow hunter from Vermont. I don't shoot a lot of things, but I try, and uh, that's pretty <laughs> much the sum of it. I've uh, I've been at it for a long time for my age, and uh, I try to take pride in what I do know.
0: <laughs> and and your your dad got you started real young, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got pictures of me. You know, probably I don't know one and a half, two already shooting a bow fairly on my own it's uh I know not to get into anything heavily debated but when you hear certain topics about youths and certain weapons I guess I have a hard time not using my own background to kind of portray the idea because I shot my first deer when I was 12 with a recurve and I guess maybe I was lucky and I've always been on the stronger side but you know, I've been pulling 35 pounds back with a recurve since I was real little. So it's uh, shot my first chipmunk when I was four and a half with a recurve. So, you know, yeah. there's a few, few prideful moments there. <laughs> had more so, prideful yeah. moments before the age of 10 than I do since.
0: <laughs> well, if you started at, you know, one and a half, two, and you, you had already been hunting 10 years or shooting 10 years before you killed that buck. Was it a buck or a doe? It was a button buck.
1: You know, the nice thing is—is is it actually looked like a nice deer, though? Because proportionally, the oh, size was still right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't think. Now, that. I've always been on the larger side, so you know that's one thing. But <laughs> proportionally, it was correct.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, where was that? Was that in Vermont? That was here. It was
1: a uh, complete luck. I mean, I don't. So it was kind of cool. I shot that with a black widow PSR. My dad was pretty good friends with a gentleman that used to live here. And then he moved back to Missouri and uh, my dad and him made a deal. And I, I, I think at the time a black widow employee got like a bow a year. Like that was just one of the the things. And somehow I ended up with his bow that he made for himself that year. Oh, wow. And, cool. and uh, I shot it with that, but. I remember drawing back, and then I remember radioing to my dad because we had radios saying I shot. I don't remember shooting. I just remember <laughs> drawing back, and then my dad asking if I hit it. I'm like, no, I don't see the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a few weird things because the exit wound was higher than the uh, the entrance. Huh. So I don't know. Either I hit a rib because I bet you I was pulling, like, high 30s. Yeah. Just because it was that bow was 54 at 30. I was 12. So I bet you I was pulling back 23, 24 inches. And mm-hmm. uh, by the time you do the math and whatnot, I was using a 2018 Legacy with a Bear Grizzly. Cool. And uh, it the arrow ended up falling through. It was basically a pass through. So, you know, you can definitely get it done. It wasn't, it was probably over 15 yards worth of a shot. So it wasn't close. And that was the other thing I thought was cool. And I guess when you watch today. I guess I didn't realize how uncommon it was for somebody at that age to be hunting by themselves. Like I wasn't in the stand with my dad. I was in my stand and he was a couple hundred yards away in you know, his stand. So I have, I've grown to realize that was not common.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I imagine even today, probably not so much. Yeah. But um, yeah, my son hunts with me um, kind of casually. He's not as eaten up with it as I am or, at, or I was at that age. He's 17 but um yeah. he does like to gun hunt so we're gonna hunt up in uh, north carolina in a couple weeks so very excited for that yeah he's really well, forward to it because last year was a was a you know such a messed up year because of covid so we never oh, got yeah. Out there yeah
1: if there's anything i can say about that is I mean i've always had the archery bug i don't know if it's just because i happen to live in vermont which for those who don't know vermont hunting is uh poor to say the least it's not a super rich opportunistic state especially when you're hunting with trad equipment but it took me until I got back from college for the hunting bug to really take hold and I think what happened is I left and I didn't hunt for two years and I think in those two years is just when I realized like wow it kind of sucked but man I miss it yeah and uh since then mean the last let's see, I got back from school in 2015. So since 2015, it's been quite the uh, downhill snowball effect. And we are here where we are. And I I'm quite happy about it. So
0: yeah, it's it's a good problem to have good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, hobby for sure. <laughs> Kept me out of trouble as a kid as a teenager and in my 20s. But yeah. um, yeah, in fact, I my college career, all my classes were were around in the fall semester. We're all I picked classes based on whether I can hunt in the morning or not. <laughs> <laughs> I miss more than my shares share of days in college. Just, uh, you know, maybe I should, it's November. Maybe I should uh, stick it out for a couple more hours. It could be cruising.
1: Yeah. I know I worked for the, I worked for the town and then I left and went back to a dealership. And one of the biggest reasons I ended up leaving the dealership was working seven to five Monday through Friday. It didn't mix well with hunting. No. Now I'm back out of town and it's like, Hey, I'm not going to be there Friday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And weather's just, looking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you were just, where were you hunting recently? Um, was that, was that out of state? Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Yeah, so
1: I, I have a buddy I met a few years ago. I, I was hosting a trad shoot here at a local archery club for like three years and uh, he happened to come up here just because he saw the shoot and whatnot. And ironically, he was shooting a Schaefer. Oh, wow, cool! And uh, I saw him at the practice range, and I was about to go on the course, and I was like, Hey, is that a Schaefer? And then obviously, yeah, it's a kind of an easy topic for me to get to know somebody. <laughs> I'm actually named Schaefer, you know, after Paul and whatnot. And uh, I've become really good friends with him. It's my buddy Jimmy, and he lives in Massachusetts, and I can be at his place just under three hours. so. Okay. I ran down there, uh, Friday morning. It was supposed to be a little longer. My my wife is from Ohio. Why we moved back. I'm still trying to figure that one out. That was my fault. Uh, I, she had flown to visit family and her plane on the way back that all got screwed up. So I I lost a day and a half, but Mm. I got down there Friday morning and I kind of, he told me, you know, he has some spots he'd let me hunt and whatnot. And I was like, you know, Jimmy, I kind of want to do the not the public land thing per se but i wanted to do it on my own Mm -hmm. i didn't want to be given spots so he has some public land like five minutes from his house so my dad and i and him scouted it for like an hour like the week before bow season started here so i had a little bit of reference to go off in my head but the nice thing about going down friday morning like i did was i got there around 11 and i was able to scout my way in I found a nice scrape, right? I had cyber scouted it a little bit too. And I had a pin I wanted to check out and there was a scrape like right where that pin was. So I ended up sitting there all day, Friday, saw a doe, which I was super psyched about just the aspect of seeing deer when you're from Vermont. is pretty exciting. Yeah. So, uh, I ended up, I was debating what I wanted to do Saturday cause you can't hunt Sundays in Massachusetts. So I knew Saturday was going to be my last day there. And, uh, I ended up going back to that same spot and I told myself I was either going to do an all day sit or I was going to get down around midday, do more scouting and find another spot. And I ended up seeing a really nice buck around 1030. I never got to count antlers or anything, but he had a very substantial main beam that I saw and uh, he I had some thick pines behind me that I couldn't really see through and I kind of saw his body at like 30 yards and then he worked up the ridge from me. And when he finally cut in towards the ridges, when I saw that dark chocolate main beam and, uh, my grunt tube, unfortunately, I just got a new one. It, it was kind of like a buck going through puberty. If you blew on it too hard, it got squeaky. So uh, of course, you know, your adrenaline's pumping because you're watching this huge buck and you're trying to maintain a good grunt coming out of your grunt tube and it's right. It was just, I couldn't, I couldn't get it to work. I'm like, ah, it's just never going to work. So I tried snort wheezing and that still didn't get him in. And it was, uh, it was super exciting. I know, I don't know if it was the cold or the adrenaline dump, but for like the next 15 minutes after he disappeared, I was shaking like crazy. So
0: probably a bit of both.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was an awesome experience. And the funny thing is, is I hunted down in mass in 2019. The only reason I didn't hunt there in 2020 is same reason COVID and all that crap. Uh, so I've hunted Massachusetts for a total of four and a half days between 19 and 21 and uh, I've seen two nice bucks and three does nice and I'm like I don't know how it gets better than this I mean I've only really hunted the northeast but I'm like I don't even know if I want to buy a Vermont hunting license next year (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I would rather hunt half the amount and go to Massachusetts when I can and you know do that but
0: that's how i feel about because i hunt north carolina as often as i can and it's 13 hours away but you know eat up a weekend driving there and back or whatever but um, take a few days off but i see more deer in two days there than i see the whole season in south florida where i hunt yeah so. and
1: i hate you know sometimes i don't like talking that way because i feel like i'm taking the easy way out you know trying to find a more heavily deer rich environment but the hardest part I find about Vermont is you could be doing everything for the right reasons and be in a good spot. You just don't have the deer density to tell you you are.
0: Mm, yeah. So,
1: you know, sometimes you just don't see deer no matter how perfect the scenario was. But you never, it's very hard to get that positive reinforcement. It's like, I could have been in the best spot ever and just a deer didn't walk by. Mm-hmm. Or I could have done everything wrong and i don't know
0: yeah the the learning curve is skewed
1: yeah i mean realistically i've seen five doe this year in vermont Mm -hmm. and it's november 9th and i would count that as a phenomenal year so far Mm -hmm. and it's uh i don't know 10 deer would be like my goal if i could see 10 deer from the stand
0: that would be like, you know, astronomical. Stuff, huh? talking about seeing 10 deer in a season, like celebrating yeah. it.
1: I know, right? There's literally been years. I didn't see a deer from the stand. Now I will say I, I follow Jason Sam Koviak and I follow a lot of the mobile hunting thing. Mm-hmm. And since I've started doing more of that technique, I haven't really stretched my wings as far as uh, location and land. But even hunting the same chunk of land I've always hunted, the amount of success I've seen just from doing that has been astronomical and i think it's just because every time i go out there's a reason i am where i am Mm -hmm. it's not well i have a preset there and it's kind of the best for the wind it's no i have when i stand on my back i'm gonna go here because there's a hot oak and the wind's right for it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so
1: ever since i've started doing that things have been really good i mean since 2016 no opportunities 2016 I shot a doe 17 screwed up an opportunity in 19 shot a doe last year screwed up screwed up an opportunity this year so I'm seeing more opportunities but I haven't been able to get to that point where I get a second opportunity in a year yet so I I tend to struggle with math because I like math and I like odds so (laughs) yeah when i look back at my history one opportunity a year is the thing so when you screw that up on day two of the season
0: (laughs) ouch yeah it it
1: hurts the motivation level to keep going but you can't shoot them from the couch at the end of the day so you you try to keep your motivational level
0: up and see what you can do yeah listening to these podcasts and um yours and others um it helps me stay motivated you know through the season Yeah, maybe I should stay home this. No, no, because I the closest hunting I have is two hours away. So, oh, that's uh, that's
1: pretty rough.
0: Yeah, it's it's bad. We're working on that though. But um,
1: my wife hates it because I jammed a Fred Bear so often. (laughs) Oh, by by Ted Nugent. One day I caught her bopping her head to it, and she'll never admit it. But we were driving down the road; it came on. She did the eye roll, which for the amount of times (laughs) I listen to it this time of the year is almost justified almost and then yeah. i look over and i just see this little little head bob from her
0: nice she can't help and,
1: it and uh i i mentioned it and she's like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> oh that's too funny very
0: cool <laughs> yeah so uh, i saw you you're shooting Um, uh, you're shooting a new bow this year new to you right i mean no it's a, it's actually a custom bow isn't it yeah it's one yeah. of Lee's. one of these uh, yeah great I, legs I, bow works
1: it is so it was funny I shot a deer with my Schaefer last year, which was like probably the highlight of my hunting career. And, uh, I had no plans. Well, I ended up trading my saddles. I'm pretty good friends with Lee. Mm -hmm. I talk with Lee all the time. And, uh, I ended up trading my saddle setup. I was using last year for one of his bows and, uh, I got it in January. I want to say it was a little after season finished Shot it until like Easter time frame. And then for some reason, I started shooting my Schaefer again. And uh, I shot that all through Detton Hill. And then the longbow bug just kept kind of picking at me. <laughs> I made it through Compton in June. I didn't make it through ETAR. So I got back, started shooting that. And uh, that's, a, that's a sweet shooting bow. Lee makes a good bow. That's for sure. So the grip is probably top. I've, it's probably one of the best grips I've ever shot myself for what I like. It's, that and my Schaefer are about top two as mm-hmm. far as
0: grips I've had. But And I imagine you've owned quite a few bows over the years. I,
1: I, I've had quite the bow buying issue. My bank account does not like it. And uh, it, there is a rack upstairs with a few of them on it. It's funny because I'm convinced if I had never met my friend Ethan, I'd still be shooting my Black Widow PSR to this day. And the cool thing about that bow is I got it when I was 11 and I just kind of grew up with it because it was 54 at 30. So the bigger I got, the more draw weight it took. So, I mean, I shot that bow from 2005 up until 2017, basically. And it just, the longer my draw length got, the more weight I pulled and yeah, there it was. I, I had a few, my Schaefer is 66 pounds. So I got Ouch. my dad, my dad gave that to me when I was 16. He told me not to shoot it, you know, do the smart thing. Naturally, right. I was 16. So I shot it <laughs> and uh, I ended up putting that down. I had bought a long bow that ended up breaking on me. And I ended up back at my black widow. And that was just kind of my go-to bow for the longest time. Then I met my friend, Ethan, he was buying bows like crazy. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, that looks like fun. <laughs> and once you open yeah. that can, you don't close it.
0: yeah i've been in that can (laughs) for a long time although the last two three years i'm definitely that's the thing about it like i can't at least for hunting i can't switch bow to bow i have to stick with the bow shoot it build my confidence in it and then and hunt with it through deer season at least and then then after deer season maybe try something else but
1: that was my big goal for this year last year i was swapping bows like crazy And this year, I told myself one bow. Now, I will admit, I went from Lee's bow to my Schaefer to Lee's bow. But each one got a substantial time frame. Mm -hmm. There was no, like, you know, a day before season I switched. It was, I shot Lee's bow from basically August 1st up till season. Mm -hmm. And uh, other than, I mean, right now, I kind of, I've been talking with Lee about maybe getting a twin to it once he's back up and running. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh other than that, I may have a couple other options that may be showing up mm-hmm. before turkey season. Okay, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, my last
0: two favorite bows are both by Lee. Uh, I shoot that retro fifty. It's actually like a late forties, early fifties style recurve.
1: Yeah, it's got like a static, static. static moisture, yeah, right? it's, the, it's
0: basically yeah. like a it's literally just straight like you lay it on the floor and it would be flat on the floor like the whole riser and and uh limbs and then just at the ends it just hooks just total static tip it's it's great it's a great drawing bow i think he's changed the, the form a little bit since yeah. i bought that one but um that's my favorite bow i shoot it the best right now um before that i did have one of his talents yeah. killed a couple pigs with that but yeah
1: i was so bummed when so In October 7th of this year, I hit a doe high and forward. And uh, if anybody wants to watch it, I got it all on video. I kept it private because of anti-hunters and all that jazz, never knowing what they're going to do with stuff like that. If they happen, to get it. Uh, But on the side of it, it was funny when we were talking about him building it and whatnot. I told him, I just want simple woods. Don't want anything complicated. I just want to have a bow that I can bring to the woods and not care about scratching. I just want it to be my killing stick so mm-hmm. on the side of that bow on the other side of the shelf it says killing stick on the rise oh, cool and uh i let it down this
0: like year <laughs> so far so far it, yeah it ain't it, over
1: and the funny thing is i wanted it to be simple but he made it beautiful in the end it's got some of the most beautiful curly walnut in the riser and then that
0: is it, really pretty
1: it just has stained hickory limbs and mm-hmm. it's just you could lo- i've almost lost that bow in the woods so many times mm. And that's like one of my, I don't want to say goals when I have a bow built these days, but I just want to be able to place it down in the woods and it just blend.
0: Blends in. Yeah. yeah, Yep. Yeah. And what's I'm, the weight on that one? What's the draw weight on that? Uh,
1: 54 at 29. That seems to be that mid to low 50s seems to be my go-to. I've been shooting 52 to 54 at 29 for the majority of the last few years. Mm-hmm. I've been... Slowly working my way up, not down, I would say. Especially, I had some neck and shoulder issues I was working out. I pretty much got that completely gone. So, the, uh, I have one bow on order from Kalamazoo Bow Works, and uh, it's going to be 54 to 56 at 29. Part of that is just because his bows are so smooth, I won't feel it. Mm-hmm. So, I knew that's I a could. It's lo-
0: another long bow.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, it's actually still in prototyping at the moment. If you go to his page, it's the one he mentions in prototyping. He just, he had it at Denton Hill or Etar, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't even shoot one. I just, one of the guys, uh, I'm good friends with uh, Chris Sekel, one of the Primitive Pursuit guys. And uh, I was going to shoot a course with him and a few of his buddies came with him. And one of them just happened to be shooting Dave's bow. I forgot why he was shooting Dave's bow, but on that course, I just watching him shoot that bone, just every, it's kind of like a classic, more of a classic D-shaped bow. I see. But Uh it's like a super mild R and D bow that still kind of braces in almost a D shape. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was about it, but something just looked amazing about it. So I started texting Dave from Kalamazoo and I'm like, yeah, I got to have one. And, uh, (laughs) So once he's done prototyping and all that stuff and my time's up, it should be uh, on its way. And I can't wait for that. So I think it'll it'll be a battle between that bow and one of Lee's bows for next year. Mm -hmm. I might hunt with Dave's bow. Just one of the the things that's becoming readily more and more important in bows for me is the personal connection you have with them, so to speak.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like I had a widow, uh, not the PSR. I had a takedown and uh it was almost too perfect if that makes any sense and i guess for me i've never noticed the bow makes a huge difference as far as how i shoot as long as i can get along with the grip somewhat decent yeah and i find most of the time with grips it's just once i shoot it a few times it's like okay that's what it is Mm -hmm. so grips aren't i love a good feeling grip but it's not the end of the world either so when i had that widow i'm like you know i just i don't I don't really know the guys at Widow. I probably just didn't talk to them enough and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it was missing that personal connection Mm -hmm. that I like having. I'm good friends with Dave. I'm good friends with Lee. You know, the cool thing about the setup I was hunting with this year, Lee made my bow, good friends with him. My arrows were made by me with feathers from Josh at Wild Fletching. Really good friends with Josh. My broadheads were made by Toughhead, obviously. Good friends with Jason over there. I made the string. I made the silencers. Bob at Great Northern made my quiver. Good friends with Bob. Every aspect of my bow this year, I had a connection to somewhere somehow, and that was just like one of the coolest things going into the woods every day.
0: Yeah, that's really it, cool. It was like and hunting with a whole
1: bunch of buddies just because I was bringing that bow. Mark yeah. was Mark made my tab from Omnivores. Oh yeah, cool. So yeah, it was just every aspect of that was just so awesome.
0: And, and how many hobbies can you say that about, like, you know, if you're a skier, are you friends with the guy that made the ski poles? Are you, you know what I mean? It's like, or the jacket or. <laughs> uh,
1: maybe <laughs> any... fly, maybe fly fishing. Yeah. You could, but you could have some omnia, I omnia? Uh, That's too, out of my dictionary. You could have some of that connection with fly fishing maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was thinking just now, like what else, maybe fly fishing, but then only if you're going to do like, um, like a bamboo fly rod or something, you know, where yeah. they're really one of a kind kind of handmade from scratch. Um, Cause you know, uh, graphite rods are assembled more or less, you know?
1: Exactly. You know, so. I mean, it, it, should, it was just such a cool thing. And that's, that's what I'm finding to be more and more important with a bow for me. And I got to yeah. stop becoming friends with the guys that make bows. Cause it just, it directly hurts my it's wallet. Expensive.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Yeah. I got, I guess I'd say same for me. I've got, um, i like I said, one of these bows and then I've got a, uh, a Creek Walker trading Donnie Wilkerson's, uh, really nice quivers on it. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, I guess just those two things. Oh, uh, Dalton Lewis made my string, um, a replacement string. And yeah, I guess the arrows are just gold tip. There's nothing special about them, but
1: yeah. I mean, my arrows are, uh, you know, carbons, but yeah, <laughs> I, I at least put them as, together with the feathers.
0: Same here. I will,
1: wood arrows have started to catch an appeal again a little bit lately. The, uh, that bow from Kalamazoo, I have a feeling will be getting some wood arrows. I don't know. It just seems right for the, the design of the bow and whatnot. To shoot. always felt arrows. like
0: long bows. don't need, of course, you can do it with any arrow, but um, seems like it's a good fit. Wood arrows yeah. and a long
1: Yeah, I have a set of 7075 Doug furs I have not made up just blank shafts from Sherwood sitting next to me right here that I was actually texting Dave today asked because he shoots one of those he's prototyping one obviously, and I was asking him what spine he's shooting and he was saying a 5560 or 5055 or 5560. 55, I'm like, well, they may be way over spine, but it's still enough to justify making them. So, <laughs> that'll probably be my winter project while I wait.
0: Yeah, so. gotcha. Yeah, I was going to um that was one of my cl- questions. How much do, you do it yourself is right for you, but you just we just covered that, but
1: I was I I try to do as much as I can. Yep. I think there's a lot of skills that get overlooked. I'm the type of person that doesn't use a backup camera on his truck, even though I have one. (laughs) Uh, I I feel like there's a lot of skills that are being taken away by technology. And I don't want to say laziness, but by those who would rather have other people do things for them. So I try to do as much as I can. Mm -hmm. I make my own string silencers. If you need a string, if you don't mind waiting for my (laughs) procrastination, I can make you one, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I, uh, I do as much as I can making broadheads and making bows are probably the only two things I don't do. And that's because yeah. I enjoy shooting a lot of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Someday I'd like to get into the whole, you know, self bow thing, but um... I,
1: I've looked into that. I will say the day I buy a house making bows will be probably the top priority to set that house up for me anyways. Mm-hmm. So that is on my list of things I would really like to do. It's just not super feasible Plus, if I want to go over to my parents every other day, I suppose.
0: And it's good to have your shop in your home. I think, you know, just exactly work on it when you get the inkling. And then I was going to ask you about your, um, I was watching one of the, one of your older videos on the YouTube channel, which um, generation,
1: <laughs> it goes back to
0: 2012. It was the, the track trails, the oh. buck that your dad shot in yeah. a rifle season. Yeah. That was pretty cool. What kind of, do you remember what kind of bow that was? Uh, A forward handle looking longbow.
1: Yeah. So that was a Green Mountain longbow.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: It was a Green Mountain Stingray.
0: So there was a guy
1: named Jim Duclos. He doesn't make bows anymore, but he's still around. And uh, he's from Vermont and he made Green Mountain longbows. And I've got two of them sitting on my bow rack. I told myself the day I found one, because they're kind of hard to find, I would buy them. And it happened to be two of them at the shop that day. So I came home with both of them.
0: Oh, my gosh. And, wow. uh, what, which was shop funny. was that you like, not his shop or just a, just, just it was just a bow shop. Some bow guy shop. brought him okay. in
1: asking if he could sell them for him. And it was funny. It was a husband and wife's bow. So one's 25 at like 25 inches and the other mm-hmm. one's 57 at 28. And I think I picked them both up for like 400 bucks. Oh, wow. So my wife has one and I have one and, uh, Excellent. I shoot it occasionally. It's funny. Both bows are older than me. he made bows from i don't know if he was making them in the late 80s but i know it was mostly the 90s maybe into the 2000s before he he had to stop making them so
0: and and what what's the model on that one the one i have yeah i i
1: just i think it's a classic just a very standard it's not quite a hill style bow but it's that general kind of like the baraga from northern yeah Mist, northern if you're Mist. yeah 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 probably a little less deflex than that or reflex but
0: and then what was your dad's what was the model on that one uh it was the stingray stingray which
1: okay. i gotta to talk to jim one day how in the world a bow from vermont got named the stingray but
0: <laughs> yeah good point it was uh he that place actually is crawling he, with stingrays it's, yeah he, he in the picked woods. it up off
1: ebay i think was where he ended up finding it oh, okay and, uh, he shot his biggest buck, and that one in rifle season with that bow. That bow treated him well. It's a cool looking bow, too. Yeah, It had really nice. Had a Bacody. I want to say Bacody. Bacody riser. That can't be right. It's too. It's too dark. It's definitely got Bacody limbs. That bow is the bow that made me fall in love with Bacody veneers.
0: The and it real looked long. In, not, looked long, knock to knock. Uh, sixty-four inch. Sixty-four. Okay.
1: Yeah but that was one of his lifelong goals was to shoot a buck during rifle season because Vermont's a lesser weapon state. So you can use whatever weapon you want in rifle season, but you're filling your rifle tag. So you can only shoot a buck. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of funny. He shot, I was actually there. Uh, It was always kind of an ongoing joke. Whenever my dad shot a deer, for some reason I wasn't in the woods that day. So that was the first time I was there for a deer. He shot and the only text that didn't go through that day was him texting me saying he shot a deer so he ended up coming down like running down the ridge making sure I wasn't hanging dead (laughs) and then we obviously had to go back up and I was filming that year and uh well got kind of the whole process other than the shot because my dad was filming I was filming so we had a lot to go with and uh the funny thing is, the filming thing actually started because it was kind of something for me to do, you know, while I wasn't seeing deer. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just an entertaining thing to do in the meantime. And it kind of started, my sister had a point and shoot, like just a camera. And I started filming, like, because it had a video setting. Oh, yeah. Of mm-hmm. a dice swinging back and forth and me trying to shoot it. <laughs> and then from there, I ended up getting a video camera and did a couple of weird things and then started filming hunts. And I'm at the point now where the hunting bug bit me. I wanted to shoot a few deers, get that off out of the way. And now the filming side of it's kind of biting me again. So I've got this like best of both worlds colliding now. So that was one of the coolest things about that doe this year. Other, Obviously, it didn't work out well in the end, but it was all on camera. I have been asked if I thought that was the reason I screwed up. It wasn't. I can tell you that last camera shift, that was it. If if yeah, I had to just, move it again. That's I how I feel have. about
0: it with deer. Just, yeah, yeah. you get it on camera. If, great. If not, oh, well. Exactly.
1: I am yeah, not at the point where I will let the camera screw up a hunt, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, if you watch in the slow motion, like I said, if anybody wants to see it, just message me. I'll send you the link. And uh, there's like a leaf and a twig, like a foot outside of my bow. And I I just, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I figure if that changed the trajectory of the arrow by an eighth of an inch at the bow, by the time it covered the 10 yards, you know, maybe, because I only probably shot high by like four inches, but Mm -hmm. it was just enough to sneak it into a, I guess, a no man's land where the spine kind of dives down. So I just hit some meat and probably the offside there's some bone on the offside, but
0: yeah. When you saw it, when I swatched it the first time, I was like, Oh yeah, he's, he's got it. Like, that's a yeah. great shot. Well, I, I can I'm tell sure you at the time you thought that too, but it's, yeah, it's, around a the few inches makes a difference.
1: Yeah. Uh, around the 400 yard mark is when I was like, well, <laughs> this, I tracked it for a half mile and, uh, I ended up going over to my parents. We watched the footage, definitely saw it was high and forward. And uh, my dad and I went back out the next morning because I was kind of in a lose-lose situation. So I haven't tracked too many deer. So I have always read and heard from what I think are reputable places. Mm -hmm. When I hit, I kind of thought I was high, but I was good back or front to back. Mm -hmm. So due to how close I was, I was like 16 feet up in the tree and the shot was probably like six yards. So I was really close in a steep angle. I thought I went over this side lung and hit the offside lung. That's kind of what I thought in my head. Mm -hmm. So I had heard and read and listened that one lung hit deer. Well, I have read that they can live, whether that's true, I have no idea, but I've always been told pushing them isn't bad, you know, make them work. Yes. Yep. So in my head, I'm thinking, all right, if this deer is one lung hit, it's probably fatal, but it's not a bad idea necessarily to push it. So in my head, I'm thinking this deer is either going to be down sub a hundred yards. Cause if I hit both lungs, it's going to be a good, good story. She's dead already. If not, if I hit the offside lung pushing, it's not the end of the world. Worst case scenario, we've had so many coyotes on trail camera this year. I'm like, I don't think I can let it lay the night anyways
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: without getting taken care of by the coyote. So I was kind of going through this and I'm like I basically got down and I was probably tracking her a half hour after I shot thinking with those attributes going into my decision and I tracked her, like I said, for a half mile. The next morning my dad and I went back out searched again, kind of grid searched, did our due diligence and off of everything we had, we decided it was probably non lethal. I talked with quite a few people, and that was kind of the conclusion we came to. And we have yet to have any proof that she's alive, but there has been no proof that she's dead either. So yeah. I will take the glass half full at the moment. It did take me a couple of weeks to kind of get my mojo back after that. Like I went hunting a few times, I didn't stop hunting because of it, but. I just remember sitting in my stand one day just like I just remember being over it and just Mm -hmm. like being back and motivated and ironically I ended up seeing three doe that night and it was just like I felt myself being back yeah and uh, it was a good feeling so yeah that was the first that was the first year I like screwed up bad on the one in 2019 I just kind of went through the armpit like I shot super low oh so I kind of just Went in just yeah, above the, the
0: arm,
1: yeah. So that one, it was pretty obvious that she was going to be perfectly fine. Still tracked her forever, but yeah, that one I didn't feel bad about at all because it was obvious she was going to be fine. This one was kind of on that hairy edge. So
0: yeah, it seemed like it was a meat hit to me when I looked at it. again. Like yeah, most like you would have had to hit some a major vessel or some kind of vessel well, to for her to bleed well, out.
1: Yeah, when I. <laughs> I initially, like when I impacted, I expected her just to fall. I could have swore it was a, a spine hit.
0: A spine hit, yeah.
1: And then when she didn't and she ran away, and I like kind of replayed it in my head, I'm like, that must have maybe a one lung hit, like I said, because I thought I was high.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I couldn't believe I didn't spine her. And yeah, I'm not going to lie, close. that's one of, that's one of my biggest fears is spining a deer because I don't know how, I've always worried about how my follow up shot's going to be. <laughs> oh, my I, God. Because, <laughs> yeah. I, Cause afterwards <laughs> I'm usually such a mess. I, Me too. I, don't, I don't know how an after shot would be. I'll probably have a freaking pin cushion around her going, Oh crap. Now what do I do?
0: Yeah. I've had a couple pigs turn out that way. Just, I was figured as long as they're still breathing, I'm still shooting. Yeah, exactly. I'll get, but on a pig, you can usually get up on it and, and uh, it's not going to outrun you if it's already gotten one arrow in it, in the yeah. vitals or in the guts or wherever, or in the spine and just get down and put it down as quickly as you can.
1: Yeah. But that was a I mean, it was a I'm convinced I'm a better bow hunter because of the way that turned out that night than if it had gone smoothly because I had never tracked a deer that far Mm -hmm. and I managed to stay on blood until the last drop. I'm convinced. And uh, there was a lot of highs and lows of that blood trail. uh, I managed to follow it the whole time and had to make a lot of judgment calls. Some I don't really regret any of them and uh, there was one moment i just kind of read the situation and just kind of went off of where i was and i ended up finding blood again so that one was that was kind of cool so yeah there was a lot of things like that just kind of make you trust your gut going into the future Mm -hmm. i was right that time so i can trust myself yep with what i have in front of me i'll probably make the right decision
0: yeah it's all adding to that woodsmanship yeah Um, yeah I saw a guy yesterday I follow so many bow hunters online I can't on Instagram especially but somebody posted a hit and then kind of it didn't work out and didn't find it but he wrote so well about it like what he's learned from it even though he didn't recover the deer and probably lived but you know you never know for sure yeah and but I felt it kind of like motivating like okay yeah you know because I lost one this year but I for sure was a when I was in North Carolina, I hit one bad, and for sure was a, a non-vital hit. But yeah, um, it just it was kind of like recharge my batteries a little bit to read that. It's like yeah, you know this does happen, and you can learn from it, and you can move on, yeah. and you know just put it to rest and closure, for lack of a better term. Yeah, just move well, on, and you got keep keep at it because that's what traditional, especially traditional bow hunting is all about, just keeping at it.
1: Yeah, that's one of my biggest. I've really debated whether to release that video I made of that hunt because that's how I tried to make it. I tried to make it so at the end there was kind of a positive message mm-hmm. to the over, you know, to what happened. But like I said, I'm just it's not intertwined with a it just that is what the video is. So yeah. My biggest fear is for instance, here in Vermont, somebody let a bear hound hunting video out and it went viral like united states wise wow and now there's a whole bunch of crap happening because of that here so it's just it's such a minor video that so many people probably wouldn't see but i'm like you know what there's a big enough chance it's one of those deals where if anybody wants to see it i'll show them to it but i don't want just anyone to be able to go Mm -hmm. on youtube and just find this video so it's people can really screw things up that are supposed to be positive so yeah i i'm not saying i won't let it go eventually but at the moment i haven't been able to get myself to just in case
0: Mm -hmm. well like you said there are lessons to be learned from it and uh yeah i thought it was really good the way you summed it up in the end yeah and uh
1: i know i've i filmed every day this year and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to want to put it together at the end of the year cuz at the moment I just have a lot of me talking to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, a squirrel. Hey, there's an yeah. hourly update from Schaefer. Mm-hmm. I'm like man, this is going to be a boring video.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I hunt one of my good hunting buddies is Ryan Gill and he said he won't he won't release a video unless he's I mean, he ha, he does like a lot of educational videos like napping yeah. and stuff and primitive skills, but in terms of like a hunt he won't release it unless there's a kill on it. And I was like, dude, I'd be waiting for, I'd have, I'd have a video every two years or something. I can't, I can't wait yeah. just for a kill. You know, I, lose, uh, I lose all my subscribers. <laughs> I gotta have yeah. some content out there.
1: I'll probably do a, a season in review video. I would imagine. Yeah, that'd be yeah. cool. I'm a little bummed both deer I saw in Massachusetts, this trip around neither of them I got on camera just cause they were such quick and, the buck I probably could have got on camera, but he was behind me to my left, which is like the worst place to film the way I have it set up. And if he came to me, I knew he was gonna be basically for me to have filmed him where he was, I would have put myself in the worst place to film anything else. Oh yeah. So I was kind of, I was kind of making the educated decision that I'm gonna wait until he comes in to hopefully get some footage because I'd rather get more on footage including the shot and that type of stuff than just getting him off in the distance
0: (laughs) yeah so well you know the other thing too is you live in a a beautiful part of the country in the mountains and vermont's gorgeous and just that alone i think would attract people
1: yeah it's uh i'm looking forward to making the video at the end of the year i've got a folder on my computer of all the clips i have this year so far and getting some b-roll because that's going to be a lot of it uh but it's Did it'll you see be a, my
0: b-roll from my last video i haven't checked it out yet okay it's it's literally b-roll it's b-e-e <laughs> i've close up with some b's <laughs> you can just you can borrow that if you want pun intended yeah It
1: it's uh I'm, I'm looking forward to it like i said i've really i put some money into the camera thing this year and, oh good uh, i've i've enjoyed it so it's definitely not going anywhere that's for sure i might make some improvements for next year but as of now i I like the the system it was funny i was talking with tim nebel from the push Mm -hmm. about camera suggestions and i was like if you were gonna spend this much to this much what would you get he's like i would save up and buy this one i'm like oh come on tim
0: that doesn't help
1: (laughs) yeah and it was funny we were talking and uh he sent me this like uh because it's i bought the same camera he uses for filming and he sent me this like uh just a quick video clip of him testing out its capabilities and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, you sent that to me last year. He's like, good. Don't make me send it to you next year. <laughs> <laughs> so I nice. think I I think I purchased it right about after that
0: comment. So <laughs> yeah, I, I have no it. regrets. No regrets. Very cool. At all, so. What what camera is it?
1: Uh, it's a Sony FXR FXD a x53 something like that i don't know that it's f x d I i don't know it's got some lot of letters it's the a x53 though okay <laughs> it's uh it wasn't cheap by any stretch of the imagination i want to start getting into a lot more of the how-to stuffs again i've been uploading some of that type of stuff mm-hmm. and uh i'm hoping to do a updated like string building video i'm not one to believe that strings make a huge difference i may get bashed for that i don't care i think as long as they're made halfway decent yeah the average trad guy's not gonna see a difference (laughs) so i struggle with some of the stuff you see on social media when it comes to strings but i i tend to have a very i don't know maybe glass half glass half empty view on some things (laughs)
0: Yeah, but, I should a yeah. 50 uh, or B 55 and always have, I mean, I've yeah. bought some bows that had skinny strings on them, just, you know, use bows, but uh yeah. pre-owned bows, but uh, I haven't purposely bought a skinny string. They don't feel good in my fingers. I like to have a, I guess you could build up the serving, but um, I, love... I like those thick strings. I think they just, and they're, yeah. I think they're quiet, very quiet and they're, yeah. they're forgiving. I think for, I shoot mostly recurves. I think they're ideal for a recurve.
1: I shoot a lot of B55 and a lot of D97. Mm-hmm. I think D97 is the perfect string material because you have kind of best of both worlds. It's, it's like a middle ground string material. Mm-hmm. You're not in the B55 or you're going to get an inch worth of stretch, right? but it's not your high end, no stretch materials either. It's kind of just a hybrid. That's kind of how I describe it. And that's pretty much what I run on everything except for my Schaefer, because that's not Fast Flight approved. Gotcha.
0: Is that a B-50 I, then on that one? Yeah, B uh, B-55, same
1: 55, thing. 55 yeah. Yeah. B-50 was brown nail, B-55 is B-C-Y. So okay. it's uh, That's what I've ran on that for the entirety of it. I know that bow, I've got a new set of limbs for it, and the new set of limbs, I just never felt like they were quite as quiet as the originals. And during COVID, I was furloughed for like four months. And uh the amount of strings I made for that bow trying to find the perfect (laughs) combination. Oh, it was crazy. I even I tried a few D97s on it just to see if it made the difference because the new limbs are fast flight approved, but the riser isn't Mm -hmm. because they have fast flight approved risers because they're a little more uh beefed up. I see the extra stress that a fast flight string provides. Uh, so I felt okay just testing it and I would have shot it if it shot well because I've seen some longbows that are fast flight approved that are significantly more dainty than my Schaefer so oh yeah uh I wasn't too worried about it but it it didn't seem to help at all like I said so ended up just kind of saying it'll be quiet enough and I shot a deer with it so clearly it wasn't too too loud
0: (laughs) yeah but and you're, you're back to uh an odd segue, but you're back to um I'm looking at my notes. S- stand hunting versus saddle. You traded the saddle and now you're back yeah. in a stand, right?
1: Yeah. So I probably like 80% of saddle hunting better. It's lighter. Mm-hmm. It's I would I like to call it a more consistent level of suck where <laughs> you you never have the comfort moments you have in a stand, but you never have the uncomfortable moments, uncomfortable moments you have in a stand either. But at the end of the day, when it comes to shooting, that's the important part for hunting. A stand is so much more clear cut for me. And mm-hmm. personally, my range around the tree out of a stand is so much greater. Oh, really? So okay. for, for me, I can shoot, you know, if you're facing the tree, just to make it easy, make yeah. them both the same. Facing the tree in a stand, the tree's noon. From eleven o'clock to one o'clock, so you're talking two hours Mm -hmm. worth of the clock is kind of. I can't shoot those. You just I can't get close enough to the tree or wrap myself around the tree. But I can shoot vertical bow. I can shoot canted. It's not a big deal. I practice it all. It's not the end of the world. So I can shoot basically right up to eleven and right after one. Mm -hmm. So I can I can shoot backwards pretty good with a saddle. You know, you have your strong side, which is anything off to your left. So from like uh, looking at the clock, probably eight o'clock to eleven o'clock in a saddle's pretty strong for me. Mm-hmm. Everything else starts getting weird. So it's a very limited section because
0: because i've never hunted from one is it because you have to readjust on the tree itself or you're it's just, readjust your body to shoot for, for me paint? i
1: never had the maybe it's just because i'm not the most i don't know uh graceful i don't know how you want i just never felt stable enough and it always felt like a lot of movement mm-hmm. to get in a position to shoot anything outside of those now that doe i shot last year was out of a saddle but she was also at 10 o'clock Oh, yeah. Which was like the most ideal, like it was literally pick up bow, point, arm, and shoot. Yeah. Like it was the ideal spot. Now, the thing I love about a saddle is uh, when it comes to like accessing your backpack or your bow, it's awesome because you're facing the tree. Oh, yeah. So, but, like That's I'd be true. facing the tree and the bow is just right there. Mm-hmm. Right there and pointing the right direction. Right now, you know, it's kind of awkwardly behind me to the left. So I kind of have to contort myself, pick yeah. it up. And for me, I have, I think it's a It's that thing where your fingers go cold real easy.
0: Oh. Uh, uh Regardless,
1: I have it in three of my fingers on my left hand. So like I never hold my bow. I always have that hand in a pocket. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten used to it. It's just kind of, it is what it is. And uh, so I almost always having to pick up my bow and I used to keep it on my right side and just kind of reached around in front of me. And that almost worked better because at least the bow was facing the right direction. It's just a matter of grabbing it. Uh, but now that I'm filming, the camera's also over there, so I didn't want Yeah. It was kind of hectic on the right side, so it is what it is. But that's why I went back to a stand, and uh, I'm using the Novix Hilo, which is a super light stand. And I have one of those Lone Wolf Custom Gear Point Five stands on order. Don't know if I'll keep it. That's the beautiful thing about saddle hunting or mobile hunting almost all of it you can sell if you're yeah. willing to lose shipping cost mm-hmm. so i'm out a ton of money but if i wanted it all back minus shipping it'll come
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah.
1: it, it's right. almost worry free trial as long as you can stand the upfront cost so
0: yeah um emrah from bow hunting soul was trying to tell me i'd feel more secure in a saddle but i just can't, <laughs> i can't i'm it, pretty pretty nervous off the ground we've talked about this before but I um, like the
1: saddle on windy days because you okay. are tethered. So like in a stand, if you're not like leaning up against the tree, or sitting when yeah. the wind blows, your feet are kind of like getting taken out from underneath you, so to speak. Yeah. In a saddle, you're just tethered. So like you're just along for the ride,
0: on but a windy just, day, I'm on the ground. <laughs> you would have
1: loved it last year. It was, I want to say it was 28 degrees out. So not super cold per se blowing snow. In 40 mile per hour gusts, and I was hanging from a tree. That did you probably, post a
0: picture of that? I think you were just I did. one side of you was just white. Yeah, that,
1: that was a fun day.
0: It seemed like it. Yeah, yeah.
1: That was the day I gained a lot of respect for Cabela's Berber fleece. Oh, yeah, with
0: wind shear, with wind shear. Definitely
1: <laughs> love that stuff for 80 bucks a piece. Freaking a lot better than Sitka.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, uh, you were talking about Broadheads, another jump. Yeah um tough head right which are you shooting a two blade or, or uh, i'm three? shooting the three
1: blade evolution three blade. series uh obviously my partner uh, my podcast is partnered with tough head
0: mm-hmm. so
1: i i've been shooting tough head a lot i've shot a lot of other heads tough heads make a great head for i mean they're a little pricey on the the evolution side mm-hmm. they're classic three to one heads that's what I shot my doe with last year. It worked phenomenally, so I really like that. The only thing I don't like about those heads, and this is me being nitpicky, I can't use a standard Great Northern hood because the oh. things are so dang long.
0: They're long, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't that's that. not even yeah. a
1: broadhead thing. That's just uh, if you don't want three quarters of an inch worth of head sticking out of your quiver, mm-hmm. you got to go to the long hood, which it's really not that big of a deal. But yeah, so. That was one nice thing about changing over to the three blades this year. They fit in a standard hood. So Mm -hmm. other than that, uh, I mean, I I like to mess around. I've got some day six on order just to see what they're about. That's another thing. I know I can sell them for probably this little less than I have into them. So I want to see what those are about. But like I said, if I get back into the wood arrow thing, that's going to change some things up. I would love to shoot a tough head on a wood arrow. The only downside about tough head is they're heavy. And that's yeah. because tough heads kind of line up with the Ashby things, which is cool. Uh I have kind of a long draw and I like to shoot a little bit of draw weight in today's world. So wood arrows, you know, don't really handle the heavy point weight thing well.
0: As you'd have to as be people. pretty stiff, right? To be able to handle yeah, that.
1: Yeah, and like 8085 spine these days is kind of hard to get
0: because nobody imagine. makes
1: yeah, nobody makes uh fourths anymore. It's all eleven thirty second. Mm. So it's not that you can't find those heavier spines. It's just they're not commonly in stock. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably shoot 160 grains or less just to keep it more in the realm of normal. And uh, I have some cutthroats, gluons, and the 160 grains, or I'll probably shoot some ace mm-hmm. heads if, if I go back to wood arrows. Yep. But I love Axis. That's that's one of my uh, my things. If you follow my podcast, is eastern axis, whether it's the traditional version or the regular versions. But I have an arrow setup. It seems to eastern axis four hundreds full length footed with anywhere from a standard to a hundred grain insert depends on the bow. But it seems like most of the time I can run the seventy five grain hit insert with a two hundred grain head, and it just shoots out of everything. It's mm. like almost weird to a degree how many bows it shoots out of but i shoot the same arrow from my Schaefer that i do at a lee's bow
0: nice it's that's the handy.
1: weirdest weirdest thing ever but i won't complain
0: <laughs> yeah no doubt yeah i'm sh- i ordered some um i've shot so many different broadheads i keep going back to magnus just the you know the, the stingers yeah. stingers yeah. yeah i mean i've shot magnus twos and ones before too but the stingers they, are just if I they like made those difference. in a, a heavier weight, I would love they, to give them a whirl. They go up to 150, I think that's the heaviest. And the solid blade stinger, um, yeah, but um, I ordered uh, what did I order 150s or 125s? I can't remember. I have a 100 grain brass insert inside my gold tips, so okay, yeah, but I like them. I've killed a bunch of pigs with them, they're easy to sharp. And They come, sh- I think they one of the few heads is really hunting sharp, at least in yeah. my experience. I've heard, that's,
1: that's what I've heard.
0: Yeah, they're really they're hair popping sharp, at least the ones that I've bought. So I have some of those on, on order. But that's I do like the, the classic Magnus because you can touch them up so easily in the field, you know.
1: I wish um, they would bring some of those back. I I don't know. know. I don't really I feel like Magnus went through some owners. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a hundred percent Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. sure when the old Magnus is stopped and the stinger started, but I feel like it would be a good business decision, but that's probably me thinking selfishly to bring back some of the old classic Magnuses because no offense against Wiki. I know people love Wiki, but their quality control over the last few years have really declined. So you basically have ACE for those like kind of your economical glue on points. Yeah. Glue on is just something that's kind of disappearing. Like there's not a lot of companies that offer it. Cause I mean, I understand why, I mean, it's not right. the, mm-hmm. the business friendly option to have, but I mean, if you want that classic 125, 160 grain glue on head for, you know, $30 for a three, because broadhead prices these days are just astronomical. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it would be a good, I think a good market to get into, but.
0: That's, yeah that's that's over my pay grade <laughs> <the> same here <laughs> yeah.
1: that's an yeah. uneducated th- redneck from vermont's opinion i w-
0: <laughs> bring it back man i want it but i would definitely buy a bunch of um of uh magna magnus ones if uh they did bring them back or the twos or
1: the twos were like the wide ones right like jason sam shop. I, sh- I
0: think the ones are the wide ones i think i'm shooting okay. twos and they have a yeah an I option for a ones. bleeder blade too and the yeah. bleeder blade is like um, the old style bear like real bendable
1: yeah with, with the idea that slides in
0: yeah exactly so if the idea if it hits bone it kind of just shears off yeah but um, I've killed most of my pigs with Magnus um, but yeah it's um, yeah I like tradition and I like although I wouldn't you know if somebody were throwing throw some tough, tough heads <laughs> I'm not suggesting you do but <laughs> you wouldn't say no either yeah, i wouldn't say no either they're really yeah. with my setup that most of them would be too heavy like a lot of i like a lot of these like three to one single bevel heads but they're really heavy and i already have yeah. 100 grains up front and um yeah. i could modify and just change my whole setup i guess but yeah i don't so, want to have 400 grains up front in my arrow that's
1: one reason i use hot milk to glue inserts in
0: because
1: mm. uh, i i personally i'd rather have the weight in the the head than the insert. Mm -hmm. Because almost always a heavier head will be beefier. Now there's a few, like if you look at VPA, and the one thing I really like about VPA is they list their blade thickness. Mm -hmm. So if you look at their three blade line and you go up in weight, you can kind of see how they get their weight. So like a 175 grain heads going to be more durable than a 200 grain head. Because for the 200 grain head, They had to, uh, I'm, this may not be the best two grains and I may be wrong, but basically they lengthened the head, but they had to shrink the, shrink the blade thickness. Mm. So like you can kind of find the best of both worlds. Like I think the year I shot 250 grain VPAs was because it was the longest, but thickest blade thickness they had. Mm. So Mm. in my head, that was the most durable option out of their, their heads. So typically, if I have to, I'd rather shoot a heavier head than heavy insert. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing I learned from Jason at Tough Head is I used to always shoot 100 grain brass inserts, thinking they were more durable than the factory inserts. But I was talking with him about aluminum versus brass, and they're roughly the same strength, but how they fail is different. If I remember, one's more malleable, Mm -hmm. like a brass insert is more likely to... I don't, I, I don't remember. I'd have to re-listen to the episode. But roughly an aluminum insert versus a brass insert, you're not really gaining structural strength either way.
0: Mm-hmm. So It's more just
1: uh, weight. Exactly. It's, For
0: the sake of weight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. once I learned that, I was like, huh. That makes okay. sense,
0: though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I would personally rather shoot a 200-grain head in a 50-grain insert than mm-hmm. a 100-grain insert in a 150-grain head. If mm-hmm. if if it was me and I personally with my level of skill, don't really notice where the weight is changing the effect. And now, yeah. if your hundred grain insert you know is five inches long, that's a different story. Right. But usually your insert lengths are you know within a half inch. So right, pretty close. Yeah. Once again, unred, uneducated redneck. So.
0: <laughs> Same here
1: my release leaves a lot to be desired so it usually screws up a lot
0: <laughs> my bugaboo is full getting the full draw but that's a whole other issue we don't need to yeah. go into
1: <laughs> yeah no kidding that's one thing i'm finally seem to be over so yeah
0: no it look your shooting looks great when you're doing that uh shot of the day that was looks really good yeah i uh,
1: i really enjoyed that and filming yourself shoot your cold shot that like it just adds enough pressure Yeah. And like every time I did that, I told him I'm posting this regardless. So Mm -hmm. like I, I should have just done it live every day, but it was amazing how much that screwed me up mentally because it gave you that aspect of pressure. Yeah. And it was very cool to see how it kind of got more and more and more and more comfortable to the point where like, it's almost not enough Mm. to get that pressure. Now so that's, that's I haven't done it for a while, so I'm sure I'd be right back to square one. But it definitely it shows you your weak point because you know technically arrow one when you're cold is gonna be the the shot that matters.
0: Yep. And Most sometimes you
1: sent it over its back wildly, and you're like, huh, that would not have gone well.
0: <laughs> <Your> deer don't <laughs> typically jump into arrows like yeah, no, launch into them.
1: That's not typically how they react, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> I could have used
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> or if so we're getting it, the we're shame. getting
0: around our hour mark. Um, oh, maybe yeah. it's over an hour now. Probably is over an hour. But um, you want to? Do you have us? You want to tell a particular hunting story? It could be one with your dad. It could be one just. Uh,
1: I guess doesn't I'm have going, to be
0: successful. It could just be um, a cool day in the woods. I'll
1: go with the uh, the doe from last year. So this is going to, I actually, it's an article in PBS. If you guys are a PBS member. I am. Uh, So my Schaefer that I have, I was, I was born the year after Paul died. And uh, obviously Dave Windauer, who was his apprentice, ended up taking over the business. So in 1999, my dad orders a Schaefer and has Dave right hand me down on the riser. And uh, some of you may have heard this story. It's been told a few times, but uh, my dad did that with the plans on giving it to me at some point. So in 2016, after kind of a trying year, we'll just say it was under the Christmas tree. So I, I don't think either of us shed a tear, but that was pretty freaking close to uh, to shedding yeah. a tear when I opened that sucker up. So that was uh, quite the special moment. And like I said, I shot it for a while when I was 16. Ended up having a little bit of an issue. Like I said, it was heavy. 66 at 29. And then in... I guess it would have been this... Late 2018, I must have ordered... Maybe in 2018, I ordered limbs for it. No, 2019, I ordered new limbs for it. 54 at 29, I told Dave just to match the original limbs as close as possible. So it'd still be, you know, like it would look like the same bow. Mm -hmm. So I sent him my entire bow riser and limbs and the, the grain match is really, really good. And, uh, so I started shooting it again now that it was 54 at 29 and it wasn't, you know, overwhelmingly overwhelming to shoot. Now if I were to pull a moose tag, I'd probably put the original limbs on it because that's why the original limbs were so heavy. Cause legal shooting weight at the time for moose was 65 pounds.
0: Oh my God.
1: So that's oh. why it was made the way it was made. So out of principle, I'd have to shoot those limbs, but yeah. uh, it's it, legal shooting weight now is 50. So it's, it's not as bad, but anyways, getting back to the story. So last year I hunted with it during Turkey or 2020 hunted with it during Turkey season, sailed an arrow over a Turkey's back. That hunt is on YouTube. How I miss that bird to this day, watching the slow-mo still blows my mind. We call him groovy because I put a streak right down his back where he no longer has feathers. (laughs) Uh, So getting into bow season, I was hunting with the Schaefer again. I ended up having Bob from Great Northern uh, custom engrave a quiver for me that said, uh, hand me down in parentheses. That's kind of, that's the name of the bow. And then underneath it, it said, in memory of Paul Schaefer. So that was kind of a cool touch to add to the bow. Even Mm -hmm. though the the quiver that my dad always shot with it has a cool story, too. There's a a mark on it, about 1130 seconds in diameter, where one day my dad said, hey, you want to see an arrow shoot straight up in the sky? So I'm like, sure, you know, I'm little. And uh, apparently he did a very good job, because I remember him (laughs) yelling dive, and he put the bow up in the air.
0: Are you kidding me?
1: and that would be where the arrow hit so uh, that 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 quiver almost belongs to the bow i'm almost sad i had that quiver made for but at the same time it was a cool touch so either way it would have been cool but so i was hunting with the Schaefer, with hand-me-down with the quiver in memory of paul originally i wanted to hunt with zwicky zwicky, uh, zwicky eskimos too but i kind of put that to the side because once again, Zwicky's quality has gone downhill a little bit. Uh, anyway, so I think it was October. Yeah, I shot it the second day of season. So the first day, I didn't have any luck. Day two, my dad didn't go in the morning. I went in the morning, sat until it started to rain, got out. We thought we waited out the storm. We had not. I was. <laughs> we have to walk through a field for like a quarter mile, and I took – Luckily, it was the day I ended up sending my wife a lot of selfies because that's actually something I never do. So I'm walking up the field and I look behind me and it is just dark gray, Oof. and I'm like, "Oh!" So I literally break wood line and it just the heavens came down. It was pouring. So I call my dad. I'm like, "Hey, you know, what's the plan? Like, are you still hunting?" I didn't know if he was going to go back to the truck. He's like, "If you hear from me, I'm going to the truck." So I'm like, "All right." So. That morning when I had sat, I had sat pretty close where I ended up that evening, but I heard a lot of acorns falling. So my original plan ironically was to go sit roughly where I shot at that doe this year. And I had no idea how cell phone service was up there. And my dad had literally just told me, you know, if you hear from me, I'm going to the truck. So I'm like, all right. And I have no idea what the sign is up there is going to be kind of a hunt and find fresh sign type of deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm like, you know, why am I doing this? I heard tons of acorns hitting the ground this morning. So once again, just taking in everything I knew from that moment, I kind of did a giant J hook around to where I ended up shooting that doe that evening. And I, to this day, want to know if that's one of the reasons I ended up getting the shot. Because that's so different than our normal route to where we would get to that point, just because of how the day started compared to how I Mm -hmm. got there. So I don't know if my access was the reason I had more success that evening than normal because I didn't go up the logging road like I normally would have. Regardless, I ended up getting soaked. And right as I was getting close to where I wanted to be, the sun started breaking. So I'm like, oh, thank goodness, you know. So I climb up the tree and acorns were falling. So I, I had an Insta story that day of me saying I needed a hard helmet or a hard <laughs> hat because I was afraid of getting pegged by acorns. Wow that's how hard they were falling. And I'm also very upset. That's part of the story. The fact that Instagram just made the story, but that's besides the point. Uh, so I'm uh, sitting there. I was only sitting there for like 45 minutes and two skippers go running by me. And I grab my bow real quick. And I've had enough success at this point where I was, I had decided, I, okay, I wasn't going to shoot just yearlings. Mm-hmm. And then two big doe. I mean, start walking in, and we're probably talking 15 seconds in this whole time frame here. And uh, the two big doe come in, and uh, one of them's out of ways, and the other one's coming like right down Broadway, right where I want it to be. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, all right, I'm going to shoot right when she clears this little sapling and she clears it, and I go to draw. And I've never had this happen before. And I remember I was watching a Kurt Cabrera video where Cade has the same arrow holder I have. And he went to Drew and it popped his knock off. And Uh-oh. I was thinking, huh, that's so weird. I've never had that happen before. Well, fast forward a few days, I go to draw and guess what happens? The arrow holder retention was more than my knock retention. So my knock pops off. So now I'm like fidgeting, trying to get my knock back on my string. Oh By my the way, gosh. the sound a knock makes snapping onto a string when you're actively trying to shoot it to your significantly louder (laughs) yeah so I get the arrow back on the string I draw zip the arrow right through her I will admit not a product placement but that tough head it was like knife hot knife and butter it was crazy I just remember seeing the arrow in the air and the next thing you know a knock disappearing and I was a little concerned about the shot but I it was kind of high and back but I figured I was still double lung. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It wasn't that far back. It just, it wasn't tucked behind the shoulder. Right. So I'm calling my dad, calling my dad, can't get a hold of him, just shot a deer and whatnot. And finally he just happened to look at his phone and he sees he's got a whole bunch of missed calls from me. So I'm like, Hey, I just, just shot a doe. You know, he's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? I'm like, oh, Figure you're gonna come over, you know. We'll, <laughs> we'll track. He's like, okay, that's yeah. So Was like, he I'm still in,
0: was he in the truck then? No, so he, was, he had. He already gone home.
1: No, he so we rode together, but he had set up. Okay. So it had cleared, gotcha. so he didn't end up going back to the oh, truck. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. he he's like, all right, I'm gonna go to the truck, drop my stuff up, drop or drive to the top of the field. I'm like, cool. I will. I'm gonna probably check out the start of the blood trail, check out the arrow, see what it looks like. So I get down, you know, pretty nonchalantly don't really care about noise that much so take my uh naturally this is when the heat turns on uh take my saddle platform down just chuck it to the base of the tree you know who cares Mm -hmm. get to the base of the tree and this is when i find it's not that hard or it's very different looking from the base of the tree from up in the tree so i'm like oh crap looking for my arrow. I know I got a pass through and it took me way too long to find my arrow. But once wow. I did, I'm like, I probably had that arrow dug in the ground. I don't know, eight, 10 inches. Mm-hmm. So to say the setup was a little bit overkill was an <laughs> understatement. Uh, but I start following the blood trail out to the logging road. And I just, at this point, I've got the arrow. No, I I, had, I just took the air, stuck the arrow in the ground. Follow the blood trail to the logging road. I got my pack on my back and I'm just kind of standing there waiting for my dad. And I start looking at the, the daylight situation and uh, I'm like, hmm, we're losing daylight pretty fast at this point. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back, grab my arrow because at this point we shouldn't need any of that information. Mm-hmm. So I feel good about the blood. Get back to the logging road, looking down at it, still can't see my dad. I'll follow the blood trail a little further. Uh, She went across the logging road and down into the next little dip before the next ridge. So start going down the dip, get to the bottom of the dip, break a branch off. We're hunting private land. Not a big deal. Break the branch, walk back up to the logging road, looking down it. still don't see him. (laughs) All right, I'm going to fall a little further. We're losing daylight fast. So I start going up the next ridge and uh, I hear my dad whistle. I'm like, all right cool, he's finally getting close so you know I'm waving him down, whistling back to him and whatnot. I'm still blood trailing and my dad really likes to blood trail. It's like the funnest part for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel really bad about this. So literally right as he gets to me, my head pops over the ridge and I can see her. <laughs> <laughs> So literally like one of my first words to my dad once he got to me hey dad there she is so he didn't really get to follow a blood trail so uh get to the doe ended up being a nice mature doe she weighed 107 pounds dressed which is pretty good for around here and uh took some pictures and it was just so cool to finally shoot a deer with hand-me-down yeah and uh that that's what like meant the most to me out of all this hunt and it was funny how we gutted her and I put my pack on my back, still got the saddle and all that stuff with me. So it's not a light pack. Mm -hmm. Got my tether around her. My dad's like, you want me to take anything? I'm like, nope, (laughs) doing this myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look at him like, you know, you've always been here when I shot a deer. So I want to know if you weren't here, if I was hunting by myself, I could do it. So I dragged her all by myself, even though my dad was right there. I was carrying my bow, my pack and all this stuff, even though he offered Uh, Got her to the truck, loaded her up. It was a good night. And I just remember texting my mom saying, you know, this may sound silly, but I felt like I just kind of completed like one of the things I was like meant to do was Mm -hmm. shoot a deer with that bow. Absolutely. And, uh, it's funny now uh, I kind of have this ongoing joke that I can finally shoot other bows without feeling
0: bad about it. I think you're cheating on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it was always sitting on the rack, just going, you have things you still need to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> so cool.
1: Occasionally I still get that feeling like maybe I should shoot a big buck with it or something like that. But I'm at the point, like I said, where I have so many friends that make bows that it's just such a cool, cool thing to hunt with those too. That... Just build
0: new memories
1: exactly so
0: and uh, and who knows those maybe hand-me-downs
1: exactly i i have a feeling hand-me-down will get handed down again one day Mm -hmm. or i've also thought about getting a like a hand-me-down two made oh yeah continue the saga Mm -hmm. and maybe do like a hand-me-down hunt one day once i have kids but it'll be uh that's that's you know great story story, man love it that that's probably the the coolest hunt i have so far so
0: it's tough to beat. Very cool. You want to um, you mention your podcast again and how people can follow you?
1: I can certainly do that. So podcast is Green Mountain Tradcast. Uh, if you're wondering where the Green Mountain State, that's where that came from. I've been asked that a few times. Uh, you can find me on pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Uh, Instagram, Green Mountain Tradcast. There is a Facebook group. There is a Facebook page. Uh, YouTube. Which I've started posting to pretty regularly again is also just Green Mountain Tradcast. So if you just search that, you'll pretty much find me. So pretty, pretty simple.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I hope, well, maybe, maybe I can have you send me that, that, uh, video again of that this year's dough. Um, yeah. Did you, do you remember? Did you send that to my email or was it to the phone through the phone? I guess I could check. Uh,
1: I think I sent it to you through Instagram actually. We okay. were chatting. I think we just happened to be chatting through Instagram for some reason, right oh, yeah. as I kind of finished it up.
0: I think you're right. So yep.
1: I I actually may have sent it to you to text
0: too, but it is what it is. So yeah, I'd like to watch that again. Because yeah. I think it's a really, really good video. But um Yeah. Like I, I,
1: I made it fully to release it to everyone. Yeah. And then I'm just I'm still fighting that, you know, is it a smart idea? Like I have a feeling everybody that I know that would watch it would take it positively and as oh, a yeah. message it's just for those who watch it that randomly stumble across it and go wow hunting's a terrible thing
0: you could always mm-hmm. just do a mark harrison on them <laughs> <laughs> the honey those badger comments, the bunny the, hun- the buddy murderer
1: yeah <laughs> the honey badger effect we'll call it yeah <laughs> you don't give a crap
0: not at PG, all but. hilarious Exactly. Well, Schaefer, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Had a fantastic time, Jim. It's amazing how fast time passes. I know.
0: (laughs) Hopefully we'll do this over a campfire sometime.
1: Hopefully. uh, I'm hoping to get down to Florida one way or another to hunt pigs. Yeah. I I was really bummed. uh, Bill Langer invited me last year and then due to Vermont being super strict COVID wise, I wasn't able to make it happen. So.
0: Yeah. He's got a ton of pigs on his place. If you can get down there I would be highly recommended, yeah. but you're always welcome with me too. I would greatly appreciate that. So
1: it's definitely something. It's unfortunate when you job start a job at 26 and you already need so many weeks of vacation. It's hard to save it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Build up that bank. That's what I'm fighting at the moment.
0: Gotcha. So. Okay, man. Thanks again. Appreciate it most definitely. We'll talk talk again soon. All, All right. Take care. Sounds good, Jim. You okay. too. Mm, bye. Bye.